Howdy tea people. This is Eric from Tea House Ghost, and I am back at my cha pond for another day of pouring tea. It's an odd day today. Feels like an odd day to me. Um, I stayed up until like 5 a.m. last night. I watched the new Charlie Kaufman movie and loved it and just rode a wave of inspiration for a while. Just kind of pacing around my house and doing a little bit of writing and just sitting with that movie. It hit me uh, pretty hard. But anyway, I stayed up very late last night, and so today I woke up in the afternoon, which I do sometimes. So it's one of those days where I'm having to reassess what I, how, how to use waking time today, you know. Because I have stuff to be up for in the morning tomorrow. <laughs> this is like my only day off this week. So I used it sleeping, you know. That's, that's what I did for most of it, which is fine. Pretty sure I'm just going to spend today reading for the most time, most part. I'm going to go ahead and get my stuff warmed up. So this afternoon, I'm going to be making Welcoming Spring Green Tea. Welcoming Spring is a Sichuanese green tea from Ma Bien, made by Tea Master Hung Yi, who is a really interesting fella. I haven't gotten the chance to meet him yet, but from what I hear, He's a pretty interesting fellow. He's really a, a scientist with the tea leaves, you know, goes out and picks leaves from all the trees, these wild plants growing in the mountains, and brings them back and separates all the leaves into subclasses based on their phenotypes and things, and is really about, you know, seeing which ones do which things. When, you, when made into tea and striving to create better and better tea always. So Welcoming Spring is actually, along with that, Welcoming Spring is kind of a new name for an old style that developed into a new style. For a while, Hung Yi was making a tea called Ma Bien Mao Jian, and uh, after a while of, of doing this kind of research and, and, and experimentation with the tea that he has access to, Hung Yi eventually decided that he had developed and, and, and mastered a new way, what he considers a new way of, of making green tea that goes beyond the scope of what he was calling Ma Bien Mao Jian. So he decided to give it a new name for the evolved Pokemon of this new green tea, you know, where he's, he's now got an Ivysaur instead of a Bulbasaur, and Ivysaur's name is Welcoming Spring. It's a really good green tea. I'm, I'm going to get it loaded up into my Gaiwan right now. Um, 
And uh, why am I drinking this tea today? Why did I choose to drink Welcoming Spring today? I can't say it's uh, seasonally apt, you know? Usually I think of green teas as um, spring or summer teas. You know, they're cooling. At least this one definitely is. It's very cooling. Um, like cooling, refreshing, like a, like a cool glass of water, even though it's a, it's a hot beverage, you know, I'm making it with hot water. Um, it's very thirst quenching. Um, so not really lining up with kind of the, the seasonal element, though it is kind of a summer day here in Texas today. It's like sunny, it's warm, it doesn't feel like fall. So I guess maybe, maybe still seasonally apt for the, the late summer, uh, as we would call it, um. And, but the reason that I'm drinking, well, I chose to drink Welcoming Spring today is because I consider this tea from a chi perspective to be very, very gentle. It's just a very gentle tea. It, uh, it's not going to upset anything in the system or call it's, it's very, um, it just, uh, it's like a hug from a good friend, you know? It's just, like, nice. And kind of feeling that energy today, you know? I, after after what was a pretty racy day yesterday, you know, I had I was drinking Magnolia Fragrance Phoenix Oolong yesterday. Had, like, an extremely busy day that was awesome. It was really cool. Um... I did a lot of stuff. I felt really good all day. And, and, and a lot of the stuff that I was doing, I was super engaged in and just felt really in the flow, you know, and, 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 and rewarded by all these things that I was doing. It was, it was a very, it was a very good day yesterday in that regard. Um, very, very enriching. But today I'm feeling kind of the, 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 the back end of that wave, you know, a little bit, not, not a lot. I, I, I'm starting to learn, this is something that I'm, I'm really starting to, or really trying to cultivate with my, with regard to my rhythms, my, my own personal tempo, uh, is this sense that, you know, it seems to me the natural way of things is that I can only ride one of what I will call one of those manic waves so long and I, I i hesitate to use that word manic because it's got so much you know connotation in the realm of um mental health that that often is associated with negative connotations like manic depressive feelings and you know to me i as a as somebody who has always been kind of a creative person and maybe this is true, I think probably true even for not, not very creative types. I think um, waves on some level of what could be termed like engagement and then detachment or mania and depression um, are natural. I think those things just, that's just how people are, you know, and people feel it in varying degrees of intensity you know, some people are wide swinging pendulums and some people are not. Some people are more, you know, close to center a lot of the time. But what I'm learning about myself these days is that I like 
the pendulum swings. I don't dislike them. I think they, uh, they feel right and natural to me. That being said, coping with those swings can be difficult all the time, you know? After a night of solid, you know, sparkling <laughs> inspiration and, and outflow of creative expression and feeling like I'm, you know, aligning my feelings and intentions with uh, the transmissions I'm trying to make, you know, the expressions um, or the, the, the social connections I'm trying to make the personal connections within myself I'm trying to make, you know, typically those then must be followed by a period of rest to some degree. And I think it's really good that I slept a really long time last night. And to continue that today, I'm just going to take care of myself so that all of that goodness from yesterday can doesn't get looked at as like, oh, that was a mistake. You know, I did too much and then I had to, you know, and then I failed to let myself or help myself recover after that amount of exertion. And then I have to go and heal for a while because then I'll get sick, you know, sick spiritually, I mean, or emotionally. Um, usually I don't get to the point of physical illness from something like this, unless it's really extreme, like I would have to be going for weeks, you know, on end. But I guess this would be a good, an interesting way, place to like, I think, open up some of this discussion to the audience um, about ways that y'all experience time from this uh, perspective. You know, I'm starting to kind of uh, present a framework of time that involves this kind of cyclical process of, you know, I feel like I can get into the flow. And then in order to stay in the flow, I feel like I need to give myself proper amounts of care and rest. And this changes form all the time. You know, people like to talk about this concept, I think, in uh, more casual social environments in the realm of like extroversion and introversion. Like if you're an extrovert, then the way that you uh, re re like recoup your energy or recharge is to go and, and be around people to socialize. And for introverts, it's the opposite to, to recharge being around people expends energy and to be around uh, just to be with themselves recharges um uh them and so that's i think obviously like you know any amount of sorting people into really hard rigid categories like this is is some amount of reductive to me um i don't think anyone's all of one or all of the other their tendencies you know you may live a large portion of your life as an introvert and then be an extrovert for five years or a whole decade you know who knows I spent a long amount of my 20s being an introvert, though I feel I am naturally extroverted. My, my tendencies are generally and very naturally toward extroversion and socializing, being around a lot, uh, people, bouncing my ideas off of people a lot. Maybe that's why I'm in radio. I don't know. 
but I'd be interested to hear what y'all have to say about this and how your experience, how you model your frameworks, you know, um, because I find that fascinating, you know, to me though, I'm starting to develop this kind of cyclical structure that allows me to, um, not feel like, I guess, where am I going with this? Like this, what, what I think the change up is, is there's a, there's a temptation. Um, I think probably wrought of, you know, or birthed by the, this culture in the United States that tells us we have to be on the grind all the time. You know, we, we have to be fighting. We have to be, we have to be grinding. We have to be going out and getting money you know, it's to stay alive and, um, and make something of ourselves or whatever. And, uh, this kind of mentality, I think, presents a, a, a temptation toward a very linear view of time. Like you're just kind of hurtling forward and you have to, and you only have this, you have like a, you have, a, you have like a, uh, like an engagement bar, like either you're all the way engaged or you're none of the way engaged. And, you know, it's just like, I don't know, like it, it just kind of tempts, it, it presents the temptation to just be on all the time. And I think to, while people can use various reservoirs of energy, whether that's sheer willpower, or maybe they have a wellspring within themselves that they've found that they can tap, um, regularly without it, it harming them too much. Um, people can go for a very long time in that mechanism. You know, people can use those energy reserves to take them very long distances or, or deep into times, you know, months. People can just be on and on and on and on and on for months. I'm sure all, a lot of us have, have, um, have experienced this in the, in the sense of, the hypnotizing effect of going to a job every day, um, which is not a judgment, a value judgment. Like if you love, you know, about whether or not you love your job or whether or not you're, you're going to work is an enriching activity for you outside of that, doing the same thing every day for eight or 10 hours a day, you know, 40 hours a week as is standard in our country to me has a hypnotizing effect. I mean, it, it's, it's what you do. Um, and there's a demand within that, you know, to show up all the time. And I, I like, I guess in this modeling off of this framework, it's like, you know, maybe that job is the wellspring, you know, for you. Like if, if, if your job, like in my case, my, my day job, when I'm working for money, typically, uh, my, my most, um, usual day job pre pandemic, at least, um, is being a sound mixer for film and television projects. And when I am working on a movie that I really like, I think is good. You know, the art is good. The people that I'm working with are cool and friendly and we're vibing with each other. When those kind of things all align, then going to work for 12 hours a day, as you do in the film industry, it's a 12-hour day, typically, sometimes even more. Um, going to work for 12 hours a day is no problem. In fact, it's probably even contributing to my my recharge. You know, it's, it's giving me life uh, while I'm also 
obtaining or, or, or upholding a certain amount of hyper focus on the job that I'm doing because I like to do a good job on set. I get a lot from assessing the situations of, of, a, of a movie set and, and being able to deliver and ca- capture and deliver the, the best possible sound that I can while the camera's rolling with my team. And I think that's a really important part of this. Maybe that's, maybe that's getting kind of through the muck of this rambling thought process to a place where it's like not really about the culture of work or, or whatever, you know, all of those things are just what's considered normal in our society. And you can either buy into that or not on various levels and but getting to the kernel beyond these illusions i'll call them illusions the stories we tell ourselves in one way or another about for example in this case what what it means what's normal as far as work is concerned i think loving what you what you're doing and or or real wrecking being able to recognize when the activities that you're engaging in a day engaging in in any given day are helping to grow the life that is within you and surrounds you you know is 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 what you're doing helping to grow that feeling to um to to engage it to in uh, to move with it to light it up. I think so many of us are on this kind of search for those feelings every day. And so often they can be so elusive. You know, they change things change and we can't find the same feeling in the same place all the time. Sometimes we can, you know, sometimes we find a really deep vein, a a really rich vein that we can mine for years and years and years, if not for the rest of our lives, you know, sound is one that I, and, and movie sound and, and this craft that I engage in like Gong Fu Cha another craft and, and, and practice that I engage in regularly. These things that, uh, they form a backbone of my life because they, they give me life. These practices, they are activities where when I engage in them, I am engaging my full self. They, they captivate my full attention. And through that process, I'm able to learn myself I'm able to feel myself more fully. I'm 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 I feel connected to other people more. You know, it helps me in some kind of way to feel generally connected to other people, to my surroundings, my world. And I'm always chasing that kind of feeling in these, in these 
through these practices, you know, there are other ones. Maybe it's, maybe it's writing or singing or um, dancing. Uh, any way that you can find to tap into these energy fields, you know, these, these magnetic feeling fields that then get you resonating in a, in a way that feels harmonious with, for lack of a better term, the, f the flow, you know, the way of things, uh, I suppose that kind of, there's some, some talk of this kind of, these kinds of concepts in some Eastern religions, um, which is not to say I want to get religious right now, but I grok some of those things, you know, like, um, resonating with the flow is kind of how I've been thinking about it these days. You know, those, those words seem closer than what I've been saying. Um, if I've been saying anything. And so, you know, that's kind of where my head's at right now, is trying to keep resonating in harmony with those, those people, those environments, those activities, those self-feels that... I vibe with, you know, and I want to remain deeply connected to that. I want to resonate with these things that through connecting with them, vibrating alongside them, you know, to continue this like antenna broadcast radio technology metaphor, or like, I guess it could be musical metaphor too, like resonance and harmonies and things. It's a sound thing. You're always in sound, you know, I'm going to use sound metaphors. It's just how it's going to be. Um, <laughs> a sound and radio operator. That's what I do in my, uh, in my job. But you know, yeah, these, these, these provide really good analogies for what I'm trying to talk about here, which is about vibing with all the things, people, environments, self-feels, like I said, you know, we really got to have a better, like all encompassing word in English than things because things is so material. I'm so frustrated with the English language sometimes like that, you know, like, um, when we're trying to do this, like all encompassing gr subset, trying to describe a, a, a subset that includes variant options. All we ever say is things. And that's so, like, not appropriate in so many situations. <laughs> Gotta break open that language barrier. But this is the journey of, of uh, uh, one who uses their voice. Writers, speakers, teachers. You know. Mediators. There's a lot of ways to use your voice. I don't need to list them all, but I like to cultivate the use of my voice in a way not dissimilar to the way that I cultivate my gong fu. I want to have strong gong fu. That is a thing that I find about myself is that I, I, I want to cultivate a strong sense of gong fu 
for my with regard to my voice and how I use it. I think that's an important thing at this time, you know. There's so much social pressure to use for all of us to use our voice all the time. You know, we live in kind of the a later age of fame with the onset of these new technologies like television and the internet alongside them this concept of fame and social capital and and how using your voice to resonate with people is being recognized through this new technology as a real value as a real form of value that is quantifiable um and so you know because of that in a way not dissimilar to the the colloquialism we have that time is money you know fame is money uh, in this regard your social capital is a thing and people are starting to turn social capital into real capital through mechanisms like you know venmo and 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 kickstarter and paypal and all these internet payment services that allow people to just kind of give you money if you are requesting it um or even if you're not requesting it but there's a lot of focus on this idea because it's a th uh, it's a new door uh, relatively in the scope of human history it's a relatively newer technology this con energy conversion of social capital to to monetary capital or something with as much um ability to broadly trade that capital for whatever you may need see now i'm dipping into one of my other interests which is topics of money and uh and what is money i've been thinking a lot about um cryptocurrencies and some of this new technology surrounding blockchain i'm not going to get into it super deep today uh because i don't really feel like it but this is an area of study that i find really fascinating less from the money standpoint though i do find a lot of these questions of like what is money and 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 how do we uh determine value and then how do the how does an ex a medium of exchange or a store of value um how do we use money as a medium of exchange or a store of value and what else could we use for these purposes other than like you know greenbacks or the bitstream that says i have you know two hundred dollars in my venmo account or whatever has been a nice rambly tea tasting i haven't even really gotten into any of the uh, nuts and bolts so i guess i'll get there I, I i've been um steeping this tea a couple of times i've probably done this is maybe my third steeping there's the 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 immediate flavor is like somewhere between hay and like a butter cookie you know uh it, it's got this kind of warm plainness on the front end even though 
from a chi perspective and kind of the way it interacts with my body, it doesn't make my body feel warm. It, it kind of cools me down, neutralizes it out because I typically run hot. But um, from a flavor standpoint, yeah, it's this very like warm, plain taste which I really love plain snacks. I'm somebody who will eat just like regular crackers, you know, like matzah. Like I'll just take that down. Just a plain snack. I love, yeah, I love a plain snack. The fragrance is sweet and grassy and very like, yeah, like spring fields. There's maybe a few wildflowers in there, but it's not really a floral fragrance. It's more of a grassy fragrance. It's more green, like fresh cut grass. Yeah, very springtime. Very, uh... And today it feels kind of afternoon-y. It doesn't feel very morning-y to me today, but that might be a thing that kind of changes up, you know with my pouring style or with the chi that I'm putting into this tea when I'm making it. Cause that, those things will change the flavor and the fragrance and how we experience the tea, you know, how I'm feeling as the one pouring, steeping, powing, steeping and pouring this tea for myself. That's going to have a noticeable effect on the flavor and fragrance and the chi that is returned to me of this tea. And that's one of the most beautiful things about Kung Fu Cha to me is how much it is this blank canvas that in, in doing, in, in participating in this practice on a daily basis, I can paint onto it and then experience through drinking the tea the colors and shades and lines that I've just painted onto this canvas. You know, the moods that I've just painted onto this canvas. And in that way, this practice is invaluable to me because it allows me to get in, in tune with myself through this process. As expected, the chi of this tea is, in fact, very calm and nurturing and gentle. I feel the safety of a weekend at home with nothing to do, which is consequently where I found find myself, but... Not only am I finding myself in that situation today, like I am at home, at my home right now, today, with nothing to do. I have no, nothing pressing on the day, that uh, no, no engagements that I have to go to or homework that I have to do today. I just have the day open. And while that is the truth of today, the feeling that I'm getting from drinking this tea and engaging with this feeling is one that 
is a simultaneous feel of 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 this is the truth now but i've also felt this truth in certain nostalgic ways in the past in my childhood you know so i'm layering over these feelings of my childhood home and the daydreams of a saturday with nothing to do and the safety to have those daydreams in a place like home. I was talking with Mary Cotterman the other day, uh, a close friend of mine. If you if y'all don't know who Mary Cotterman is, she's a an extremely extremely talented and wonderful potter who is also an incredible human, just a, a good friend and great person to talk to. Uh, she lives out in North Carolina, in Asheville. She's also the first person to ever go and learn to make Chaozhou clay teapots in Chaozhou. First person from the West to go and learn this, uh, which is an incredible achievement and a feat. And I really commend her for doing it because um, that's an awesome thing to do. If I haven't already uploaded it by the time this episode airs, I just recently chatted with her and uh, recorded it for, for this show. So either that is already out and you should check it out or that is forthcoming and look out, be on the lookout for it. But I was talking with her the other day and uh, this concept that, that I was just talking about kind of came up um, in, uh, I was remembering in it, in it from a book that I read. Um, I'm still reading this year for the second time, but I read for the first time a few years ago. I think it was 2018. It's a book by a French professor named Gaston Bachelard. And uh, the book is called The Poetics of Space. And in this book, Bachelard talks about houses and what those the spaces of houses uh from a kind of almost Jungian archetype kind of way it it teeters on the psychoanalytical but it's more in the realm of phenomenological if those those words make sense to y'all what i mean is these a uh, 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 an experience of a house has deep meaning to us as people because we occupy these structures, you know, if we're lucky, we get a roof over our heads. Um, and in these spaces, he was talking about the amount of life that gets in kind of the, the way a house can steep in a sense of life by the action of humans within that house daydreaming. Like the amount to which we feel safe enough and comfortable enough to let our minds wander within that house. It's like the house hears it, you know, and keeps those, those, those dreams. And in that way, we similarly, we take the experiences of those houses with us even when we leave them and they are made more real to us by nature of the fact that we spent time 
in in non-real landscapes within them daydreaming and this is one of those like paradoxes of of being alive that i find really fascinating again would love to hear y'all's thoughts on these these things i know i'm just kind of rambling into a microphone while i'm making tea but really i think of this you know as a kind of open-ended conversation and so if y'all feel the desire to reach out uh, and talk with me about any of this stuff, you can always reach me at teahouseghost at gmail.com. Send me an email. Let's chat. Maybe we can get on a, on a hangout in the, the Teahouse Topia, um, which is an online hangout space that I'm going to be hanging out in a bunch these days. Um, or we can get on Zoom or, you know, something. It'd be great to connect. It's always fun to connect with other tea friends. Chayo, tea friends. I'm probably on the fifth steeping of this tea now. Fourth or fifth? It's not losing any steam, y'all. This, this, this tea has been, and maybe I'm not really, I haven't really been talking at all in this episode about how I'm making it. Um, I'll, I'll say a little bit. I've mostly been pouring along the outsides of the Gaiwan with pretty cool water. I'm, I'm, I'm cooling off, cooling it off quite a bit in a glass Gongdao Bay. I'm using my, my mutton fat jade Gaiwan as my vessel. I am using two Gongdao Bays. I'm using a glass Gongdao Bay to cool my water because it cools off faster in the glass one. And then once I pour it out of the Gaiwan, in, I pour it out of the Gaiwan into my mutton fat jade Gongdao Bay so that it can retain its heat after it's been steeped. Because once it's been steeped, I want it to remain nice and warm. You know, I don't want it to just become lukewarm or room temperature that fast since it's already pretty cooled off. But I, I, I don't know the temperature of it, honestly, and, and I, I'm hesitant to guess. But if I had to guess, I would say the temperature is around 190, 195, somewhere around there. Maybe as low as 185. This is in Fahrenheit. Uh, but yeah, pretty short steepings, you know, maybe like four to six seconds and i haven't i haven't elongated them at all yet uh i think i'm mostly using the water temperature as kind of my variant uh in this in this steeping style i'm kind of just assessing when the water temperature is at the right time to where more or less over the last five steepings i've poured exactly the same way a little bit around the outsides um or if the tea is a little bunched to one side maybe i favor the the side where it's not bunched so as not to like quickly release a bunch of intense flavor and just the same like four to six seconds steep and then i pour it out and it's been very consistent this time which is which is nice that's kind of what i wanted
Hmm. Well, we're already at 40 minutes for, for this discussion, so I guess this is as good a place as any to end here. I'm going to keep drinking this tea, hanging out, enjoying my day, doing some reading probably, and just generally taking it easy on a Saturday. I hope you all are having a nice and easy Saturday yourselves or whatever day you happen to be listening to this show on. So yeah, I'll sign off there. Take care of each other, y'all. Mm-hmm.